0: ladies and gentlemen welcome this is behind the wheels season two episode six i am your host i am dj artistic i am a dj based in los angeles california i would like to introduce you all to my co-host eb eb what's What's going on
1: everybody i am eb uh the black musicologist uh writer and a content creator based on the planet of brooklyn
0: brooklyn in the building okay and this is behind the wheels on this podcast we discussed everything related to black music from the past present and the future so uh, we have a couple segments that you all will enjoy and we have some guests as well this episode so to get things started off with a quick recap of the last few days um you know what i'm the most hype about eb uh, for one the Super Bowl is in la yes. of course not just la but inglewood at that inglewood five minutes from the house I, I could almost walk there, but it's too far to walk, but I could almost. We
1: selling parking. You just sell some parking. That's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, park at my house, $20. You know, I'll give you some water (laughs) just to, you know, take that little walk. But with that, we have the most West Coast uh, concert ever seen at any sporting event ever. And it's going to be at the Super Bowl. Next year, we have Dre. We got Snoop. We got Kendrick. Then we got the Queen, Mary J. Blige. We
1: got got a little bit of
0: Detroit in there. We got Eminem. I, yeah, I, I didn't... Him them there. This is... It's crazy yeah.
1: because, like, who really think back to, like, Dre when he started? And think back to Snoop when he started. Like, who <laughs> saw them, first of all, becoming Dre and
0: Snoop that we know today, but doing the Super Bowl halftime yeah. show with Mary J. Blige? I mean, think about it. Back then, 91, 92, 93 was Whitney and Michael Jackson and those types. Right. And there is so far from the Dre and Snoops where, where like, Dre and Snoop... Our parents didn't even care for them. They were just the thug rappers, the hood ones. So seeing them come to this level, yeah. Hip-hop, it really wasn't like,
1: you know, they weren't noticing hip-hop. Like, yeah, Run DMC may have gotten a Super Bowl invite. But people like, yeah, people like Dre, people like Snoop, even people like Biggie, Pac, they weren't getting Super Bowl invites.
0: Not at all. Like like you said, like LL Cousin did have the inauguration with the – With Bill. He had the family sweater on. Quick, quick. (laughs) little, uh, had to note that. But, but yeah, so seeing that, I'm already hype about that. And I feel like however I can get there, if I have to sneak in, if I have to like wear a SoFi Stadium uh, (laughs) polo, if I have to put on some stilts and act like a football player to get in, whatever it takes, I'm I'm in there. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just going to act
1: like I'm one of Dr. Dre kids and be like, my pops performing on the show. (laughs) Just let me in. And I'm Uh, good.
0: You should be good with that. We're going to see what happens and. I feel like I'm just trying to predict the set list. I feel like it's going to be next episode, nothing but a G thing, drop it like it's hot. Eminem, of course, Lose, Lose Yourself, Yourself is going to be on there. Forgot about Dre. For Mary. Forgot about Dre. Oh, yeah. yeah forgot about Dre. For Mary, definitely going to be um, Just Fine. Just Fine. I don't know why, but even even older white guys <laughs> like that it. song. It's, it's going to be that. Family
1: Affair, yeah. because Dre produced family it. Family Affair, Dre. So yeah. I, I'm sure they're going to tie that in yeah. there. I don't know what M like yeah. what else is M going to perform though. Like outside of like Lose Yourself.
0: Lose Yourself beyond that. I'm trying to think too. I mean cuz everything else is just too silly like yeah. I can't see him doing what my name is right. and he's not even those, the same so. artist anymore. I'm so I'm like to what, think.
1: like I'm I'm curious like yeah. maybe they are just going to do like like you know they'll do still I'm yeah, what is it? Not Still Dre. I forgot, I forgot about, about Dre. Dre. They'll do, he'll, forgot, he'll, about he'll do Dre. forgot about Dre. Yeah. And yeah. But was he gonna do solo? That's not that's, like
0: old Eminem because he's not even the same artist. It's it's some some of his recent stuff that we don't like, but they like. But they you know like. What I'm saying he um. had some of those the last <laughs> few years, so I think that might happen. Okay, so all right, that might be the case. So either so he way, got it. yeah. So either way, I'm definitely hyped for that one. So that's definitely gonna be huge. And um, along with that, uh, one of the, the most recent things coming up, since you all are listening to this show after the fact, uh, so I guess we can speak in you know past tense. I guess. So um, Big Daddy Kane and KRS-One just had their verses a couple days ago. And with that, two 80s hip-hop legends celebrated. It's always a beautiful thing. Now, me personally, I feel like I would have preferred seeing Rakim and KRS. But just from what I've heard, I think Rakim doesn't really want to get down that way. And uh, what do you think about that? I mean, I feel like that's always I feel the the same.
1: Honestly, I could see Rakim and KRS or Rakim and Kane...
2: Yeah, so it's it's that hard too. to
1: imagine Kane and KRS One just because they had such different styles. I mean, that's, yeah, that's both my thing, both gifted, both talented, both pioneers, but their styles are so different. And I, it just yeah. for whatever reason I can't hear it, but I'm pretty sure that you know it's celebrating 80s hip hop. So if nothing else, is jams dropping all night. If nothing it's, else.
0: It's definitely jabs, and it's a show. And the good thing about Versus, period, is that basically every single time we watch it, it's always songs we forget. It doesn't matter how much we're a fan of that artist. Yep. Like, even with Fat Joe, it's like, Fat Joe got killed by Ja Rule, but even with him, I'm like, oh, he had a couple tracks that I kind of rock
1: with. He did, he did. He had a couple, yeah. yeah so. It always happens that way. So if nothing else, we're going to remember stuff that we forgot about that, that might not even be streaming right now. Like, I don't know. Yeah,
0: So They'll play some of that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, period. So... So to uh, move on with that, our first segment is called the Rewind Segment. And with that, we love to give, uh, give artists their flowers and celebrate those artists from the past that um, may or may not be heralded as much as the, the legends that we always talk about. So for this episode, EB, who would you like to highlight for your Rewind Segment? Um,
1: one of my favorite girl groups of all time out of Chicago, um, the Emotions. Yeah, that's like the emotions are like such a staple in not only R and B music but also in hip hop. Like speaking of you know Big Daddy Kane, he sampled, you know, the emotions. L O Cool J, Tupac, Wu Tang, Biggie. Like and that's in addition to them influencing people like Mariah Carey and Erica Badu and Tina Marie. Like, you know, they got some range. Um it's three sisters originally started as three sisters as children. And they were a gospel group, oh. so they were not always singing. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, they they were called the Hutchinson Sunbeams. Their last name is Hutchinson. Wanda, Sheila, <laughs> and Jeanette started the group. Um, Jeanette later left and their younger sister Pamela replaced her. But when they became teenagers, they changed their names to The Emotions. They signed with um Stax and Isaac Hayes produced their first album, um, So I Can Love You back in nineteen sixty-nine. So I was like um, three years old. I didn't know what was going. on. You was three. I thought
0: you, <laughs> was fi- I thought you was. I thought was five
1: back then. Listen, it, it it varies. Either it varies. way, either way. But um, okay. like they they came out the gate with a with a banger, like so I can love you, went number three on the Billboard Hot uh, R and B songs and number thirty nine on the Hot one hundred. So they had a top forty hit, like their whole album right out the gate. Um, they released a couple albums on Stax and uh, then left, and well, of course Stax went under, but they um, signed yeah. with CBS. And they got hooked up with Maurice White from Earth, Wind & Fire, and Charles Stepney. And that's when they really started moving. Um, They released Flowers in uh, 76. And that had I Don't Want to Lose Your Love on it. And I think everybody knows that joint. Like I remember BNGB remade that one time. And it was crazy (laughs) to hear her remaking this song from 1976 and making it modern. Rejoice is their most popular album. That came in 1977. Everybody knows Best of My Love. Everybody knows Don't Ask My Neighbor. If you're a Jade fan, um, the group Jade in the 90s, they've remade both uh, Rejoice and Blessed. So everybody, Mm. you should know who the emotions are just on the strength of their songs. One of the greatest girl groups of all time, their harmonies are unmatched. And they're actually still out here working like today. They're still touring. They're still
0: working. Beautiful thing right there. I love yep. seeing those legendary artists still performing and getting those checks, cause yeah, you know, especially because we know that back then they didn't always have the best, um, you know, business practices when it came to how the artists were treated. So seeing nope. that they can still get that, get those checks, I love that. I, I have a random question. I have a question that you might know, just cause I'm in UEB. So <laughs> I, of course, whenever I'm mixing, I always realize that "Best of My Love" sounds a lot like Cheryl Lynn. Got to be real. It Is sounds almost identical yeah is there a story with who made what first or
1: not that I know of um, I'm pretty sure Best of My Love came first um, yeah that was oh, wow. 77 and uh, Gotta Be Real came 79, 79. Yeah, yeah it was two years later um, I was
0: there too I was there when it you came was there out. you yeah. was there
1: when it came out <laughs> you came out it came out yeah um, I, I think it was one of those things where um, it was just the sound that was hot you know it had almost a yeah. little bit of a, of
0: a funky disco feel to it so they yeah, were like let's just keep it going Keep rolling with it. That makes sense, man, yeah. because that I love mixing those together because it's the same key too. It's just that the it starts off a similar bass line and yeah, same they, key. Um actually Mary yeah. J.
1: Blige has remade both of those songs. And the crazy thing is when DJs um in DC were playing it, cause the Best of My Love remake had a go-go beat to it. So they were playing oh, I need that. I haven't heard it. That it yeah, it was a part of the um the gap had this uh commercial and she was singing it over the holiday commercial but they would mix oh, those wow. two songs and they flow like almost seamlessly
0: like Perfect. it's the same song it really is i didn't realize that okay i gotta yeah. merry one so yeah hey salute to the emotions so for my pick this this episode i'm gonna take it hip-hop i'm gonna go early i'm gonna go 90s period early to the late 90s naughty by nature so yeah naughty by nature of course we know that they came from jersey flavor unit rocking with queen Latifah and everybody else in that in that camp they actually, um, when they first came out, they were actually called The New Styles. That was the name of their yeah. group. Then uh, Queen Latifah got with them, mentored them, and they changed the name up. And it's crazy how just changing the name up, just like the name is just so much better. Like The New Style, after two years, you the old style. So Tip that, that would never really work. So, <laughs> so just that name alone just goes so hard. And Naughty by Nature, whenever I talk about them, they're one of those groups that, in a sense, you kind of had to be there to understand their impact. I feel right. like when it comes to 90s hip-hop, because, you know, kids always talk about 90s hip-hop R&B, but it's the same artists. They talk about how they love Pac, Biggie. They'll say Nas. They'll say Snoop, Dre, Q. Who, who, who. They might even say Outkast. The South, they'll say UGK. They'll say Ghetto Boys. They'll say 36 Mafia. But even for the East Coast, they don't really mention Naughty as much as I feel like they should. And Naughty was one of the biggest groups, period, especially in that in that era. And they did something that that I always give artists credit for, because we always talk about it, how many artists were able to have hits at the very top of the 90s and at the very tail end. Because the 90s changed so much every year, every two years, it sounded so much different. And they came in the game with, with tracks. I mean, their second album had the OPP on it, and it had Everything's Gonna Be all right. And OPP is one of those songs that it broke beyond just the regular, like, hip-hop songs. I remember, I was a kid back then, so I wasn't even listening to radio, but it was a, it was one of those songs where I would know like, I would know the top five songs whatever was hot back then, because right. I, I couldn't hear it on my own, because it was like, yeah, I was probably elementary, like kindergarten, whatever it was, but that's a song that every kid on the playground was singing. Everybody was making fun of it, everybody was <laughs> Was uh are you done with OPP? And I remember being in church. I don't know why I remember this, but being in church back then, one of my, my uncles would talk to my dad, like, that OPP song, I heard it stands for Other People's Property. And I'm like, <laughs> and even then, that's, that's not even as bad as what it really stands for. Right. But even then, I was like, oh, so they're talking about robbing people. All right. I didn't know what <laughs> it was talking about. But either way, it was huge. And then they came with the next album in 1993. And they gave you Hip Hop Parade. And that's one of the songs that really got me into rap. I remember Mm -hmm. hearing that just riding around as a kid when my my older cousins would be playing it. That's just one of those songs that just just hit. And and funny enough, nobody really realized that the the verses didn't match the hook. Like in the video, (laughs) you watch the video, they're talking about having sex, this, this, and that. I don't know what that has to do with Hip Hop Parade. But either way, that chorus and just that hand movement was so legendary at that time. And that's one of those songs that... You could play that for a 25 year old crowd right now that's nobody black in the crowd but they're gonna know that one song and <laughs> they kept it coming it's like they weren't one of those groups that had a couple hits and left it's like by 95 they had filmy me flow and i love that video that's just the whole just the whole um just the of them having a you know coming out in the snow but it's a summertime song and it Man. was so hot let me go in the snow and that that track is just such a, such a banger to me. And they, they kept it rolling. I mean, even uh, going back to the Juice soundtrack, they had, you know, um, Man. Uptown, Uptown Anthem. Uptown that Anthem. You could have bassline how they flipped that James Brown. So, yeah, I love that one. But as I was saying, they, they kept it going throughout the whole decade. So, of course, Tretch would do his solo thing. He had a lot of guest verses. And speaking of Tretch, Tretch is one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated rapper of the 90s, if you ask me. His flow was just so potent. Just I would agree. Any yeah. track you could throw at him, just, it was just so exciting. He had bars, but it was just the flow was always so in pocket. And they came toward the uh, late 90s. They had Dirt All by My Lonely, which was kind of a moderate hit, but I rock with it. But then they dropped that Jamboree. And it's one of those songs that I admit I got tired of it because it got played so much. But it just showed their power for them to have a track like that to end a decade off. To that end was the everywhere. Decade. Yeah, everywhere you went, you heard "Jamboree." You still hear it. You go to it's one of those block party type anthems. It's a so. it's it's definitely a
1: block party, and that like like you said, that song I got so tired of because they played it. Everybody Man. was playing it all of the time. And it was like, all right, we get it. We have the jam yeah. and read. You know, I yeah. want to see y'all all who want up there. It's like, yeah. all right, let's next hey, song For
0: everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it was it was a jam though, for real, for real. It was so, a jam. I definitely rock with it. And just speaking of the of the of the uh, artists individually, of course, I just talked about Tretch. I'll say Vinny was definitely underrated too. Vinny was dope. He had that delivery. So it was where yeah. of course Tretch was a standout artist, but Vinny always held it down. There was not a single song where it's like, nah, Vinny shouldn't be on there. Like He always held it no. down. And then we talked about KG before. You highlighted KG before as a producer. Yeah. The fact that KG was able to make these grimy, boom bap, hip hop beats, he evolved his sound. If you listen to each album from '89 really, all the way up, he mm-hmm. evolved his sound all the way up until where he was doing the Jeanne songs. And then the, the late 90s, the Just In Case, The Next Too Close, and Wifey, and... Coffee Brown, putting them out. Right. KG was one of the dopest producers for him to start off straight hip-hop boom bap and to evolve that into that soulful, kind of like a modern disco-ish type sound. So Yeah,
1: no, KG had a whole subgenre of R&B going from like 98 up until like 2004, 2005. Like, it was nonstop. Like, I don't know how he does it because you would (laughs) think coming from Naughty by Nature that it'd be a
0: grimier sound, but... Yeah, The R&B stuff was actually kind of hot. Like, it was so smooth. It was such a vibe. Like, We still play those songs. Like, It's funny to me that that, that whole style that he created was basically like, it's wild looking back. That, that was what 21-year-olds party to because now, <laughs> now a 20, it's 21-year-old, it's all ratchet trap and just who yeah. shysty in them. But back then, you 21 years old in the club, two-stepping. Like, that's what they play at prime time at 12 o'clock at the club. So young uncle so, music. Yeah. Young Uncle Music. They, they yeah. start off as uncles. They're, they're uncles at 25 <laughs> years old. So, so yes, yeah, a little to Naughty by Nature for everything that they've done. And um, I feel like they, they, they got to get way more flowers overall. So Yeah, they deserve so, it. For real, for real. So, moving on to the Fast Forward segment. Uh, the Fast Forward, we like to highlight artists who are making an impact right now and have a lot of momentum at the time, or even low momentum, but we feel like they deserve to be heard. So, uh, for this episode, who would you like to pick for your Fast Forward?
1: Alright, so I gotta connect it to my rewind. I'm going with Yann mm. Vaughn. Um okay. and Yann is actually the daughter of Wanda from The Emotions and uh oh, wow. Wayne Vaughn, um, who wrote uh Let's Groove for Earth Wind and Fire. So that Earth yeah. Wind and Fire connection that the Emotions had, it got yeah. Wanda a daughter. And now, you know, now Yann is releasing her own music. But uh she started as a okay. poet actually, so she released an album of poetry. Um, back in 2019 and then she released um, an EP with R&B and earlier this month she just released her first like full length album and the emotions are mm. actually on the album Um, oh, wow. she has her brother and her sister on the album like the whole family is talented they all like sing or play an instrument um Yann's well, been low key for so long I think everybody um assumes that you know she's the daughter of somebody and you know she just popped up no like <laughs> She was touring with the emotions live, taking over for whichever member was out sick. Like YM mm-hmm. was doing that. Okay. She's okay. worked with Dre. She's worked with Snoop. She's worked with Kendrick Lamar. And then she's flipped it and worked with people like The Temptations and the Stylistic. So <laughs> she it's like she's very cross generational. She's like in that perfect age spot where she grew up with, you know, super soulful parents listening to gospel stuff. And then hip hop came yeah. and you're a product of that. So it's like her sound is So dope to me. It's um almost like an evolved neo soul sound. Um something like real soulful that you can listen to just to like groove to. She's one of, if I'm being honest, like you know, there's the um Gerald Levert, the son of Eddie Levert, there's Nona Gay, you know, there's Layla Hathaway, Keisha Jackson, like Selena Johnson. These are all sons and daughters of these musical greats that are, you know, grinding and making music. And YN is no different. Like she has her own lane and her own sound. So don't go into it expecting to hear the emotions Like don't think you're going to hear the best of my love. Even though there's one mm. song called, um, I want to be yours that they are featured on at the end. It's a great song. It mixes YN style. And then the emotions coming at the end. And it's almost like if they recorded a song for today, back in the seventies It's real. hot. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's real hot.
0: I got to check them out. Um, I was just uh I was just actually looking it up on title right now. So I see that she has three projects on there at least. It's the YMP, yeah, yeah. The Voice of Reason, and been in it been in it a minute. Been in it a minute. And That's the one that just came been, out. So she's okay, been in it okay. her whole life. Oh, definitely. So I'm definitely gonna check her out for sure because it like you said, it's dope how a lot of the uh the kids from these artists at this point, they grew up on so much. They grew up on their parents' music, which was all soulful, but having yeah. that hip hop influence and being able to merge that Right. It's is that, that perfect, perfect bridge. So I'm definitely going gonna, gonna to check her out for sure. Check her out. I got to. I got to. So my, my pick for this episode, uh, are you familiar with uh, Kevon Carter? I'm not familiar with Kevon Carter. Okay. So here's the thing with Kevon Carter. Um, unlike most of the artists that we highlight, his main claim to fame is really him doing these viral videos. So he's basically, he's from Chicago. He's probably mid-30s, I would say. He's actually a uh, probably a for sure grew up in the church playing piano, so he's a church pianist who I think is actually a pastor as well. And what the thing with Kevon Carter, he has the most perfect intersection, just like Jamie Foxx, of being an amazing musician who's funny as hell. He mm. has all these skits and all these videos on Instagram, YouTube, where he he's basically making fun of everything that, that that we laugh at at church. So he'll have one video where he's like, when church musicians are trying to get get a girl's attention, they're trying to like incorporate. A R R&B love song into a, a gospel <laughs> into song gospel. Just to kind of get a girl's attention and, and flirt with her like through, through the organ and through the piano. So he'll have a video like that. His best video, I would say, is um, there was a video last year from somebody at the, some lady at the um, Republican National Convention, something like that, or whatever it was, on that side, one of those mayonnaise-flavored um, um, singers, if you get what I'm saying. She sang the national anthem. She had about 12 different keys. She sounded absolutely horrible. I know exactly what you're talking about now. So, this dude, Kevon Carter, yeah. Yeah. So, he played the piano. He followed every single key change that she did. And, like, he followed it so perfectly. And he's ad libbing, like, yeah, go, girl, girl, girl. He's like ad libbing it and just hyping it up. And this is one of the the funniest but dopest things you can watch. (laughs) Because if you're an action musician, you realize how hard it is to follow each and every chord change that she did because she was a horrible singer. She wasn't doing it to be be dope, (laughs) it was her just not being a good singer. And he followed every single thing. So he has all these videos that went viral for that. But along with that, he's actually a dope musician who has his own album. So he has an album called Finally.
2: And even mm. with that
0: album, it's a gospel album. But he's the type who incorporates that sense of humor. And even, as we said, that hip-hop influence where he has skits on there. So he Great. has skits talking about, if you hire me, uh, you know, I want, I want the, dark, the dark red bins, not the light red bins. Because Jesus can, cannot approve of me being in the light bins. And and a light then, red band. In like he light. The, the whole album is called Finally. And he has a track talking about, so this is the title track, finally. I couldn't have a a, a track, you know, an album without having the title track, so here it is, finally, next track comes <laughs> on. It's like, he just has a little sense of humor with wit, whereas it shows that he's able to incorporate both styles. But he's one of those straight church-raised musicians, probably straight, straight up Baptist or Kajic, something like that. And I feel yeah. like he he's on that path where, once he starts making those collaborations and performing live, like, I think he might be next to blow up because he has actual talent to make like good music. I would say uh, he has a couple songs on, the, on there that I rock with. Um, I can't think of the favorite, my favorite song from there offhand, but he has a couple on there that have that traditional sound too. So that's one thing I love is that, a lot of these newer uh, gospel have more of a new-school hip-hop-influenced style, but mm-hmm. his style is traditional. It's very traditional, but it's still where it appeals to me. It's not like 50s, 60s traditional. It's more of that good 70s, 80s that we grew up... like The, the songs that we're here in church and enjoy, Like,
1: right. that's the vibe right there. So, Yeah, I didn't realize that he was um, an actual artist. I, I, I kn- mm. saw him, I saw the skits, thought they were hilarious... Actually, yeah. was impressed because he was playing along, and I was like, that's a really creative thing to do. N- did yeah. not realize that, so I'm going to check out the album.
0: Definitely. It's called Finally, so got to rock with that. So, Yeah, so we're about to have a quick break for everybody who's listening. When we come back, we're going to have our segment called The Drop. We have some special guests in the building representing Radio. Radio um, is a record label out there founded by Issa Ray. So we have that, and you know we're going to finish off with our – famous beat match we're gonna beat take match. a um, beat match look so we're gonna compare two artists uh, speaking of verses we're gonna take one of our favorite verses and actually do a beat match on our own and we're gonna have our producers tell y'all who we feel is the winner so in the meantime go ahead and grab your uh, glass of water or whatever it is and we'll be right back Welcome back, everyone. This is Behind the Wheels podcast once again, DJ Artistic and EB. So we have some special guests today. We have two guests who come from Issa Rae's radio record label. So we have Philippe and we have Morgan. So go ahead and introduce you all, uh, yourselves to us. Let everybody know, you know, what you do exactly, and you know, we can get into it.
3: Uh, yeah, what's up, y'all? Uh, it's P. Philippe um, over here at Radio. Um, official title VP of music supervision and library at radio so helping out with any with all its supervision on the shows uh, that we have in house and also externally and then also responsible for you know making sure that our library is tight um, that we have you know we use within in-house as well as outsourced to like the third-party shows and projects
4: and hey, y'all, I'm Moe. Um, I am the director of brand partnerships, events, and artist relations at Radio. I like to do cool things with cool people.
0: One thing we always talk about in this podcast, we it's all about music. We're all about, of course, throwback music, but about you know the future as well. And we're always talking about everything from artist development now to just about the sound of music itself. And I would say, um, just to get everything started... What's one thing that you all look for when it comes to um, to to signing artists or to working with artists, like whether it's rap, whether it's R and B, or either even other uh, genres? Like, what is it that you all look for? Because I feel like a lot of us always, especially once you hit thirty, I feel like you just naturally like what you came up on, and it's always it could be harder to actually appreciate new styles and new sounds because it's so much different, and it could be a disconnect at times. But what would I, uh, what would you all say that you actually look for when it comes to that?
4: Somebody with something to say, you know, Um, and not necessarily because there's nothing new under the sun. It's just how you approach it, you know, because like the things that they were talking about back then, they're still talking about to this day. It's just like, how do you how do you put it out into the world? You know, because like you don't want to hear the same thing with the same sound with everybody else, like make, make it sound new.
3: I mean, I say too, just heart and soul. I mean, one it's just so much music today. So the folks that actually, you know, take the time to actually, you know, think about the why they do music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And actually put that effort behind that why. I think. I mean, I I feel like those are the folks that you can, you know, you can see it in their work. You know, so definitely not heart and soul and like in, an intention, an intention into the music.
0: I definitely get that because I feel like you can always tell when people are forcing music and. A lot of times with new artists, some of them have talent, but it still feels like they're forcing it to make it sound a certain way. So that's one thing that I've I've always wondered about. Um, Does it seem like there's even a disconnect when it comes to talented artists and them making music that reflects their talent? And what I mean by that is that I'm sure y'all have been to concerts before or y'all have even watched YouTubes (laughs) and Instagram clips of people who are great singers, great musicians. They're putting stuff together, playing every instrument, and you're looking like they're dope. But then once you actually hear their music that's put out, that's recorded, it's like it doesn't always hit the same way. So right. is there something that, that you all have even seen or is there something that you feel could even bridge that disconnect at times?
4: How honest can we be here on this podcast?
0: All the way. All right, <laughs> all right, let's all right, all right, so check this. Let's do it. Start it off,
4: start it okay. off, start yes. it off. Okay, so yeah. I think part of the thing is people think that just because you may have a good voice that means that you're meant to be an artist. You feel me? Mm. You're not. No no shade, but it's like, th- wow. th- think yeah. about how many, just like good voices. Any, any Sunday, you can go to any Baptist church on the corner this and find true. somebody blowing down. That doesn't mean they're yeah. meant to be an artist. You know, some are. Right. Some are, and unfortunately, they don't mm. make it to that artist's terrain, but like some are not. And a lot of people fail to realize, like, you got to have that it.
1: It factor 100% that it. what makes an artist, yeah.
4: It. And if you don't have that it, you are literally just another voice. Like, cruise ships, coffee coffee places, like, on the street. You can walk down the street and hear good voices, but, like, that it, that, that thing that makes people special, that's like, whoa, whoa, what's that? It, it's like you have that it or you don't or if you do have that it and you don't realize it takes having the right team to help bring that it out of you right you know
1: yeah yeah i was gonna say with you know with the whole it like there are artists that i've seen live and i know that they have the it but it seems like when the music comes out the it is nowhere to be seen like it's like devoid of that and my my take i've always said well that's just industry pressure because you need to you need to fit in. You need to sound Man. like the next person. You need to sound like you could be played on top 40 radio. That's just it. And I think a lot of artists sometimes feel pressured, you know, to hide their it. Like, it's not something you want to oh. put on display because you don't want to be too different. Like, you don't want your sound to be the only one that is doing this and everybody else is doing this. So then you get left behind. And you could be, you know, you could be the most talented person. You know, it's it's neither here nor there. You could be the most talented and you just haven't displayed your it on record. I think that's the disconnect for me where I lose it. I'm like, I just saw you two weeks ago on concert. Like, you had us going. Like, I, I've been following yeah. you on Instagram since day one. I was on your YouTube. Like, I see you got your stylist now. Like, your personality is <laughs> fire. You got yeah, so Five years you know, of you pictures. You got... <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, exactly. Just, well, you know, we, we All followed you. <laughs> we followed you. And now it is like, your it is like it's gone. And I'm like, well, how do you lose it? Are you hiding it? Or like you said, maybe you never had it, and
3: we thought you had. Do you know what's interesting? Even with the it, because it, it, for me, I'm thinking about it in the in relation to like like the studio album, right? Like the process of that. Yeah. Like even with it, it feels like to me it's just really like in, like intention and like discipline, in to a certain degree, because it's like, cause like you know I mean, like to most point, it's like you can find anyone who can like get off those one offs or just in that moment. You know what I mean? In a live performance. But that studio is a discipline. You know what I mean? Like, when you think about the albums, when you think Ooh. about, re- like, not just live performances, but records, and the folks, the people that we look up to, true. they were in those studios. You know I mean? The midnight oil. You know what I mean? They're burning that midnight oil. They were there for, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, days upon. Yep. And that was a, that's a discipline. Like, and, and to most point, I don't think a lot of people, or, you know, I can't even say a lot, but, you know, you can tell who has that it, who's willing to, like, you know, I have that voice. I have that certain something, but how do I fine tune it for myself to work within? You know, worth it. You know, work it within me.
0: Right. I would say it's connected. Do you feel that when it comes to new artists, that they do have to have at least a modern enough of a sound to work, or do you think that we're we're in a um a place where with social media and with streaming that they don't necessarily have to fit in a certain box because it feels like. It feels like every couple of years it happens where there's a, a, a certain dominant sound. Like when I think about R&B going back, of course, 90s, we know it was a lot of different sounds. But even with that, early 90s had a lot of that church influence and that like you had to almost over sing. <laughs> the last few years, people always joke about the breathy singers. They say you have to have kind of a whispery voice. Like even 80s, a lot of the the DeBarge types came from Michael Jackson having that high pitched voice. So it's like it does seem like every few years you have to kind of fit in one of the specific lanes, but at the same time I think the last few years it's been a lot more, especially with R and B at least, a lot more different artists having different lanes. So do you still feel that there that artists have to fit in, in where it's like I think the DJ Mustard single or I need to have this type of song to get to this lane or is it where see, it's see, a little see, bit more wide see, open. The,
4: and that you know what yeah. that's where people get shit yeah. messed up thinking I need to have okay. a this in mm-hmm. order. Right. You, mm-hmm. If you do if you do music and if you truly do music do it. Like, it, yeah. it shouldn't take, oh, you know, unless I can get this writer, this producer. Do it. Because Do before it. those writers and those producers were those people, what were they doing? In the basement. Wherever yeah. they were. In their dorms. Like, in on their part-time <laughs> jobs, they were doing it. So it's like, I, I feel like a lot of times people think that it's a formula to success. Like, X this plus this mm. look plus this feature equals a long mm. successful career, and it's not A plus
0: B, equals C. and it's not
4: that, and yeah. it, it it's yeah. like where number one, where did that come from, and and how do we correct that so so that artists are more mindful that that like this actually is a job, like the same way like I have a job to go build relationships with brands and and be a good fruitful partner, part of an artist's job. Are you writing songs? You feel me? So it's like, how can you say you want you want to get in with this producer? This producer don't have time. That's why they're that producer. Mm-hmm. So you trying to lock yeah. in with them? You trying to meet with them? And you don't you don't even have a concept of how to work as an artist yet.
0: True. So that the artist development is a big part. So how has that changed? Um, me being someone who's been around certain artists and studios, but who's never really been deep in the process of an artist being developed at that level. That's just one thing that you always hear on the surface is, is that, that artists don't have the same development now. and I feel like we can see it because certain artists don't perform as well and they don't have the polish, even when it comes to this PR and just turning off their Twitter account sometimes. But it's like, is that actually true to you all? Do you feel that, is it really a case of artists don't really have the same development or is it just that we don't see it the same way because of, it, it feels like an artist is big on Instagram one day and now they're on radio the next day? Or how is it? How do you all see it from your angle? I mean,
3: I think there I mean there I think there are a couple like a couple culprits in that situation because you know, I mean I think I mean I think back to Mo's point about teams, like, you know, an artist sometimes, you know, they're just gonna be tunneled vision as far as on their art and like, you know, getting a song done or getting something, you know, written. And I think it's really up to yeah. the, you know, to the folks that they surround themselves as far as seeing being able to see what's outside of that artist. And so a lot of folks don't necessarily have i think just you know the patience or you know the time really to just invest in that cuz again that's a discipline spending time to refine yes. something is that takes time and energy and sometimes those results don't necessarily pay out till you know what i'm saying till the to the long run so and i think you know especially with today's like i think with how fast everything moves with you know the social media the social media aspect of it is that ain't nobody trying to spend time in the studio to, you know what I mean, to work on a bridge for hours or, you know, <laughs> or, or days at days at that. Mm. And, and, you know, that's also, I mean, you're working on a song, but that's also a part of the artist's development, finding your voice over and over again. And so I think, you know, with, you know, with music too today, it's like, I mean, you can literally within like 10 minutes make a song. You know what I mean? Like I think with, you know, with today and, just, and then spend another 10 minutes of putting it out into the world. So... You know when you when you cut. That's a crazy thing. So you, yeah. so I feel like with the payoff, you know, a lot of folks are just kind of looking. Again, I and you know for the most part, I can't even say that I'm you know I'm I'm bothered by it because you got to do what works best, you know, for you. So if you're trying to get a quick, you know, lick in the music, you know, situation, then that's what you're gonna have to do. But I do think yeah the yeah I think it's I think it's gonna be you know it's gonna be really more so on the people that the the artists around themselves to really you know what I mean, find that artist development, like care or, or you know.
0: I definitely, I definitely respect that for sure. So I feel like it is kind of an artist by artist thing. And that's, I always tell people it's not just about talent. And you, you can tell because, I mean, working hard is a talent too. People don't get that. That's where, yes. just like with sports, it might be two players who have similar talent. This one, A player, A might have more talent than B, but if B works harder and knows what to work on and knows their strengths and focuses on it, yeah. so. The same thing happens with music, so I definitely, I definitely get yeah, that. Facts. So, so switching it up. So, I know that you're the, the uh, one of the music supervisors. So, with that, um, being a supervisor for people who who aren't familiar with that, of course, that's that's the process of you know selecting the music to go within scenes for TV and um, for movies as well. And with that, um, what do you what would you say really is important with that when it comes to matching music with scenes? Because I always just assume that it's not just about picking the absolute best song but, but but about the song that's best for that moment. No,
3: nah, I mean it's it's simple too. I mean I, I mean there's definitely I mean there's other parties cuz you got to you know got to talk to the di- you know director, you got to talk to the producers, the studio. So there's definitely a lot of other folks involved. I mean I, I think about it similar to, you know, an artist choosing like a single or their, you know, cuz sometimes you got to have to understand like there's a difference between what your favorite thing is versus what actually works. You know what I mean? In context. And so I think yeah. with Supervision, that's how I kind of see it. Because there's, there's definitely been some moments where I'm like, this is my favorite song, but I know that this other song yeah. will just tap into psyche with everyone else more. And that to me is like, that, you know, yeah, you're telling the story. So it's like, how, you know, how can you reach as many people to get the scene, to get the context, you know what I mean, of the story? Because, um, you know, I mean, I could definitely place a lot of my favorite records, but then it would be the context would just be me.
0: That's one thing that's crazy, too, when it comes to certain shows. And, of course, Insecure is one of the... I would say without I mean, any bias, I mean, like, <laughs> in the last... Yeah, but no bias. I would say the last no 10, 10 plus years, like, probably just the best soundtrack. I would say top three possibly ever because it's just... The music just hits so hard. It's the timing with it. And me being a DJ, timing is everything. So as soon as this episode ends with, with a text, now it's um, Case of the X Maya. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this... Right. It hit so hard when it happened. Like it's just so many moments that I can identify with certain scenes. And and with that, um, what shows did you all grow up watching that you felt like the music just hit and just like stood out to you? Like whether it's whether it was original music?
4: Look here. Look,
0: what was that? The bag hey, about to say
4: something. The bag that gossip girl. Gossip, gossip girl, girl. El- mm. elite. El- okay. that 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 okay. that two thousands run? Okay, okay. Gossip Girl had it.
0: Gossip Girl for sure. 100%. That's one of those shows. I never watched every episode. I've seen a couple of them, and I can't remember exactly what (laughs) direction it was, but I know that, yeah.
4: Definitely Gossip Girl. The OG Gossip Gossip Girl. It was the
1: conviction. The conviction that she said it with, I know she's telling the truth. She was like, like, Look here. I'm going to yeah. ask you, like, Gossip is it on Girl, Netflix?
0: Right. Is it on Hulu? Where, where can I watch it at? I'm going to watch it just because of that. Watch the OG
4: Gossip Girl. It's on HBO Max. Okay. <laughs> Shout out, family. Oh, so on Max. Okay. Yeah, on okay. Max. Easy.
0: Okay. Easy plug. Easy plug. Because I, whenever I think about certain shows, like, it's certain shows that had original music and certain ones that just took other music. So, of course, we all love Fresh Prince. I love how they had those segues. Like, Jamie Foxx, I love that because not only was it the theme songs and whatever it was, but the way that he would create his own original songs within the show was always, always up to me. I think about like it's a couple other ones. Like, what's some other ones? E. B. Because I, I know nineties um, had. I right. mean,
1: nineties had New York Undercover Ooh. and early two thousand. Oh yeah, Soul Food coming in, and even currently, I don't know if anybody watches Godfather of Harlem, but the Family. music I mean, that is that's top us. top t- top tier, top tier. Like, it, and it's br- it's actually, it's bridging like these generations, it's bridging these different genres, and every song hits for the moment, and then you feel like. Whatever they're trying to portray in that scene, you feel it. So that's, like, one of my favorite current ones,
3: too. Yeah. I'm debating about whether I should say mine out loud. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let us know. Go with it. But, nah, I mean, I definitely want to I, I – mean, I'm going to say One Tree Hill. Like, because, I, I I mean, I feel like, like, similar to, like, Gossip Girl. I feel like that, like that 2000s early just
4: – That alternative?
3: Yeah. Like, they just – the OC, mm. One Tree Hill –
1: See, I am trying to say the CW had
3: the, they had
1: it on lock. Yeah. CW? I mean, movie? Dawson's
3: Creek. I mean, like, okay. they just had those type of shows that made it. There was just an era, I think, of those specific type of shows during that time period that they just went in on the, on the, on the, mm-hmm. the sinks. They just went and in on. Yeah, and also
4: the music during that time period, too. Like, I love the, the band. Itself. I love the band. So, like, yeah. that, like, tweenish, teenish. Drama with like the yeah. band's the alternate yeah. magic, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that makes you re- realize that. Um, like, is the game the reason that we don't have theme songs? And even the game had one, but it was so quick, it was like five seconds. Because, like, most shows don't have you gotta blame the studios for that, man. <laughs> studios, really, really.
4: I mean, power, that's oh, a studio
0: it... thing. Power, power does have it, yeah, power, power has a legendary mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah, Let Joe it, Thomas does yeah, his yeah. thing. Yeah, About to
4: hit it with the switch and, it, uh-huh. and went, uh Yeah, go back. Yeah. That switch, it back. yo. I remember that. I remember that
3: day too. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the day everybody on Twitter was the mad. The day Power <laughs> tried to switch. That should be like a hallmark <laughs> in our
0: timeline of like black black yeah. Twitter. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like, what are y'all doing? Because that song was in the club. I, I was in D.C. or New York or somewhere, and they came up in the club, and everybody was singing. It was a big rich town. I'm like, in the club, it's it's vibing though. So. Yeah, I feel like that's one thing that, that I do kind of miss um, from, from that era. But, but I mean, as long as the soundtrack is hitting this stuff, it doesn't even matter to me overall. And uh, as far as so I, would, I would ask, we've been talking about r and B a a lot. Uh, when it comes to hip-hop, what do you feel about just the state of hip-hop as far as the sound of hip-hop and where it's going? Like, in my own personal opinion, personal opinion, I feel like it's just been – it hasn't evolved too much the last few years. I feel like every once in a while we get certain songs that stand out, but – I feel like the last six, seven years has been kind of the same trappish beats with the same triplet flow that kind of Migos didn't invent it, but they get the credit the same way Diddy gets credit for the remix. And it's like, I'm just curious, like, do y'all see any waves coming? Like, what do y'all even think might be next as far as just a a wave, as far as the sound of hip hop?
3: Man, I mean, there's a couple folks that I feel like that to me are like front runners. I don't know if they're going to carry the sound, but I know they're going to be at the very Mm -hmm. least pioneers within their own world. Um, but I mean, I think about Baby Keem.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, King, and he's doing—he's yeah. definitely doing shit differently. I'm, I don't know how many people are gonna follow that sort of like, you know, you know, what I'm saying like that execution. But I, someone who's doing something yeah. different and steepen, still keeping that caliber, um, and you can—you know, I mean you can say what you—you you know want as far as just like if we're talking about like like lyrical rappers or someone making like rap songs, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, two different mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So for sure. me. Keem is definitely carrying that, you know, that wave of like just pioneers just making like amazing rap songs. And he's no, he's still getting his bars off, but I don't know if people would consider him as like a lyrical rapper versus, you know.
0: They, they wouldn't, but I mean, like, I was peeping, I was playing, um, not Rage Brothers, but, but, but the main one with him and Kendrick, the first one okay. that they dropped with the video yeah family ties and even that because it's such a hype song but i was listening i'm like he actually he, has he, bars he be in there bouncing. like
4: he's yeah. bouncing and and i think people yeah. get like caught up in the bounce but like when yeah. they slow down they would be like oh shit he was actually oh shit he was getting his shit off right there
0: yep <laughs> yeah that's how i felt with it that's how i felt hearing it because it's dope to me it feels like whenever kendrick is with him it's like they're like playful cousins almost because Kendrick on his own stuff is always so serious and focused, especially with like uh, "To Pimp a Butterfly." But on there, he's just having fun, and even the whole like "Top of the Morning." It was so stupid, but it was so perfectly catchy. Like when I first heard it, it was like, "What is he doing?" But then everybody kept saying it. Then you see memes. <laughs> now it's yeah, in the club, and we we rocking to it. Yeah,
3: now, I'm actually glad, actually happy to see like a like Kendrick having fun too. You know what I mean? Like I think that's that's just. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just, like, definitely needed, yo, for sure.
0: It definitely is. Like, who else do y'all like as far as the new artists? Because, like you said, it is a lot of new artists, and even on the lyrical side, we have the D-Smokes, we have the Griselda, a lot of the new ones. Like, Freddie is not new, but he's still, like, slowly breaking, getting bigger and bigger. But it is a lot of dope, uh, dope ones who are lyrical who probably will not cross over as much, but still.
4: Does Blast count as new? Blast is doing his thing?
0: He's new, yeah. And Blast has that kind of, like... Do we call him a rapper or a singer? Because it, he has that, that fine line. Huh? Like,
4: uh, but yeah,
0: yeah. But it's fire, though. It, it's dope, yeah.
4: I mean, do you... Do- I, I think
0: a rapper. You would say rap? Yeah. I
4: mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has the... He's a yeah. singer with a rap case. Yeah, I you feel know, it, like... it gets,
1: you know, it gets difficult because now it's like yeah. that hybrid mix of it a is. singer and a rapper. And sometimes you, you can hear him spitting bars and other times it sounds like they're trying to be a balladeer. So it's hard to pinpoint yeah.
0: Because yeah. even like Ty,
1: Dada I was about, style, I was I about like, to say, yeah. would you
4: consider Ty yeah. uh, a rapper or a singer?
1: Like I consider Ty a rapper too.
3: Damn, I don't even, I, I, I don't say... even, think, I can't say, I mean, I, yeah, I'll consider Ty a singer first. But I don't know if that's because of the the nature of the songs that he does. But I feel like
0: I, you know. It's tricky. It's where Ty is like, he might be the most perfect halfway balance. Because I've heard him rap, especially if you know the the older LA stuff, where he's rapping on songs like, like this with YG. He's rapping, rapping on there, saying mm-hmm. hood stuff. But then he'll have a slow jam where he's singing, hitting runs and stuff. So He is that kind of perfect in between because, like, like Roddy is a rapper, but he's always using melody. It's rare that you're gonna hear Roddy without using some melody. So Blast to me is always using melody, but he's not really crooning. He's not really holding the notes out, but it's always some melody in there. So it's yeah, it does get tricky in in this era. It's like a lot of these rap, I call them rap singers Mm almost. (laughs) I mean, but
1: it's like it's like the Lauren Hill thing. Like, do you consider Lauren to be a rapper or a singer? I mean, she does both incredibly well, but. You know, at her at, you know, for heart I'm like, she's still an MC. She's a lyricist like all day. But when she pick up the mic with Tanya Blunt and Sister Act and she sounding like, you know, she's from yeah. the first Baptist church. It's <laughs> like, well, dang, is she a rapper? Yeah. Is she a singer? Or like, do we need to just stop using these labels and
0: telling people that you have to be it's- a rapper or a singer? At this point, that's how I feel sometimes. <laughs> what did I say about that? Because I, cause I feel like one, one thing that I realized back in like like before before internet took over, we were still going to Best Buy, so we would see it was labels, it was the hip hop <laughs> section, it was the R and B section, right? And I would be confused sometimes seeing some sometimes they would have a, a singer in the rap section and vice versa, and I'm like, all right, it's getting kind of kind of muddy. But that was 15 years ago. At this point, if they if they had it that way, I don't know what they would be calling people because even Chris Brown half of his songs are rap now, and it's like. Right. He's still a singer to me, so
3: yeah.
0: Do y'all even categorize uh, artists in that way? Like, if y'all are introducing somebody, do y'all even say rapper or singer or just artist? Is it just they're artists? I mean, I
3: feel like I still do, just because you know. What I mean, I've, I'm, I think I am always. I mean, I am just a hip hop head, so I think I am always gonna at least start with that. Like, you know, what I am saying start of a reference. You know, so it's either R and B or. But I definitely can kind of see. I, mean, I was like thinking about it, like the if blast. If, if if this was at Best Buy. I would assume blast would be under the hip hop
2: yeah, yeah Just cause, I but say. I think
3: that's I don't know if that's because of culture the culture that he also represents as well as the you know how he looks how he presents himself you know that you know if that's anything you know taken into consideration but um but yeah, I still think I, for me I still personally like still kind of try to put people in like all right you going you know what I'm saying like you definitely I mean you're going to do what you need to do but from my frame of like context I'm going to yeah. put you either like you're going to be a lyrical rapper for, you know, or like a, like a hip hop artist that sings, or you're going to be like a, a singer who gets bars off.
0: Yeah. I see that. I would even say, so speaking of that, like, you made me think like it's the production too, because blast production does feel more hip hop. So it's the whole tempo of it. So, yeah. So before we head out, um uh, tell us about your artists. What artists do you all work with? And, who do we have to look out for? Because we always, all we're about is that, that discovery and just looking for who's next. So who is it that you all are, um, you know, behind right now?
4: Nita, Incognita. She's actually from South LA. Um, yeah, yeah. She, we're we're excited to to see uh, what she does.
0: Incognita. Does she have any projects out or any songs that we could check out? She's
4: been doing... um she did the short and sweet um she had a series of like short and sweet videos um and freestyles i'll send those to you um and also our young pop star young josh levi um just dropped nasa really excited to see what he does
0: Definitely, we're we gonna we're gonna work we're we gonna work
4: them too we're to. gonna work yeah them. <laughs>
0: That's all you could do. And I, I'm definitely down for that. Whatever, whatever we could do uh, just to, to help support, of course, we're down for that. So, of yeah. So, before we head out, um, both of y'all tell us, uh, tell everyone your social media info and where they can find you at and anything else that y'all have coming up that they can look forward to.
4: I'm socially awkward. So, my profile is private and all I post is songs. <laughs> I I'm, I'm really not that interesting, guys. Okay. I just post songs. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, it, just it, Stop, Stop it, man. Stop it. Y'all talking to the goat
3: right here, man. Stop it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm to
0: you. i over a here, goat. Capping. Yeah, I'm talking to a goat
3: here. Oh, Cap.
4: Hey. We'll, we'll drop yours, P. He's the wavy one. He's a mixy one out of the series. I am definitely not the he's mixy one. one. I
3: definitely he be out there. Yeah,
4: he he's a mixy one.
3: Nah, never 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 mixy. I just like you know what I mean. <laughs> never
4: mixy.
3: <laughs> never mixy. Never mixy. In, in the mix, you know a what I'm saying? Bit, but I like to know what's going on. I like oh, yeah. to know what's going on. Um, yeah. as you should,
0: as you should.
3: Um, though. but nah. Uh, you know, social media. I mean, only on the gram, really. But um, I am Philippe was taken. Um, it's a long one, so I mean, I can give you the spelling of that. But um, yeah. but yeah, now nah, some things to to really look out for. I mean, we definitely got a, a couple of things on our on our front. I mean, we got we got Insecure, the new season that's about to you know the the final yeah. season. Um, final season yeah. that's about to you know take place next week. Um, also, so you mentioned Bel Air recently earlier but we but we also yeah. doing the supervision for that as well so oh for, for the, the for the what what do you all it's call a reboot it's a reboot or re,
4: re- reimagine
3: reimagining i like re-imagining. that word better okay. i like that word better okay, okay. I
0: like word. yeah because somebody was saying it's a little bit yeah. different. yeah so. okay yeah yeah okay.
3: Re- reimagining so oh, that's yeah
0: fire. that's fire
3: um yeah rap shit um another you know another show from you know uh just another show from, from isa after um you know after the insecure series I don't know is that is that it, Mo we got Mo um
4: that's uh yeah
3: we just got work we got work
4: oh, we got a bunch of work oh work. p, p, p work. Valley no. to season season two mm-hmm. what else what, what? oh P Valley oh. what what else is uh we got coming back next year too okay we we have a bunch of stuff follow uh the radio. Yeah. You'll know there what all we have going on <laughs> on our radio socials.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. How do you spell it? it's the R A E D I O correct? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. R A E, like our
4: queen jefe, Um D I O.
0: Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I look forward to all those shows that y'all mentioned too. So I'm. Um, I'm ready for it. I want to ask y'all for some spoilers on *Insecure*, but I'm gonna I'm be patient. I'm gonna chill, chill out I want to know. Chill, to chill.
4: chill. Hey, I know, I know. I'm, a, I'm,
0: a relax. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna relax. you got a week. You got a week. You got a week. You got a week. I know. Week. I'm gonna I'm be patient with it. I'm gonna be patient the, with it. Put
4: this on socials and get us dismissed. All right, you know how it is. <laughs> so I spoilers, y'all.
0: Exactly. I, I know. I ain't asking no questions. I ain't getting y'all in no trouble. I'm not gonna do it. So, no, I appreciate y'all a whole lot for coming on and. I know y'all have a lot that y'all are working on, so salute to all the work that y'all are doing, it. and w- whatever we can do to help y'all out and support, I'm definitely down wow. for that. Likewise, so, man. For, yeah,
3: no, I appreciate you too, bro. Uh, already a fan of, uh, you know what I'm saying, you know me you know, I mean, the name, the name artistic. you know what I'm saying, so...
0: I appreciate you. Okay, no, thank you for that. Yeah. All day, all day. Been a fan, been hey, a fan. You. I appreciate y'all for coming on, and y'all have a good right. one. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached that time, so it's time for our segment called the beat match in this segment we always like to take two different artists producers albums songs decades whatever it may be and uh, compare them in a battle uh, me and eb pick sides and then we have our producers the lady and melissa you know uh let everyone know who they feel um is the victor and you know the last couple episodes there's been a lot of ties i did win the last one but we had a lot of ties there's been a lot of close ones lately so in this episode, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take it back. So one of our favorite Versus episodes, of course, that we all saw legendary for the wrong reasons and the right reasons was Babyface and Teddy Riley. So, of course, we know that now Teddy Riley is slang for Internet connectivity issues. But with that said, a lot of us still do love to debate like who, who do we feel is the better, whether it's artists, but mainly producer and or songwriter. So with this one, EB, um, if you had to pick between Babyface and Teddy Riley, who would you roll with? It's
1: it's tough,
0: um, like really really
1: tough, but I gotta roll with Babyface. Okay,
0: and I guess I'll say Babyface in LA. You can count LA if, if needed. needed, yeah, you know? if needed. So, yeah, yeah, and even Daryl Daryl Simmons, but either way. Either way, uh, so with that, I mean, I've always been team Teddy. Anybody who knows me knows I'm, I'm team Dum Dum Day. So you know, that's what, that's what it is. So, oh, so man. with that, um, we we'll each have three minutes to uh, discuss our case. We get two rebuttals, and then we pass it to our producers. So, E B, as my uh, co-host, I will let you go ahead and explain your case. What do you feel puts Babyface ahead of Mr. Uh, Riley? Um,
1: Overall, I just think Babyface is a more knowledgeable musician. Like He actually started as a musician um, who was stamped, by the way, by Bootsy Collins. So that's how he got the name Babyface. So that already gives you a little background into like, oh, he's that gifted that Bootsy gave him a nickname that stuck as his main, you know, moniker for his entire career. Um, Babyface has given us like legendary music in every decade since the 80s. So like in the early 80s, we were getting... Um, midnight star song slow jam which is of course a classic and then in the late 80s we were getting the deal and two occasions and then we move moving the 90s and we're getting everything LeFace. we're getting the way into excel soundtrack and we move into the 2000s and we're getting him collaborating with more people he's working with michael bolton he's working with the backstreet boys he's working with lil wayne it's like such a wide variety of artists that he would work with like i don't know many people who could work with somebody like a Mary J Blige and a Bruno Mars and then turn around and work with like The Whispers like it just like you had to be alive and and really put in the work for decades to do that um Babyface again LaFace Records um without LaFace we don't get TLC we don't get Tony Braxton I think this is such a deep musical le- legacy there that he has that can't be overlooked and as much as I love Teddy And everything Teddy does, I don't think Teddy has the chops to go up against somebody like Babyface, who, by the way, won Grammy Award for Producer of the Year from 1996 to 1998. So that's three years in a row that he is winning Grammy of the Year for Producer of a Year. So I think he is the logical choice. As close as it is, Teddy just don't got that edge over Face.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Okay. So the first thing that you said was about um, you feeling that... Babyface is a better musician overall. So I'll start by saying, I feel like Babyface is a better writer. Mm I agree that. When it comes to being a musician, I'm definitely going Teddy. I feel like even though Teddy came from a whole different angle, he came more so in the hip-hop generation. So when he was 17, he made the show, which is still one of the most banging tracks, one of the most classic, just the intro before it comes in, making the show for uh, Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh. He came from that hip-hop era, so he started off not being as musical. But he learned quick, 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 and then by 87, he's given us that classic, Keith Sweat, that Make It Last Forever, the whole album. So that's the, the fast-paced tracks, the I Want Her, the club tracks with the slow jams, the Right and the Wrong Way, the Make It Last Forever title track itself, along with making, you know, Johnny Kemp, uh, you know, Just Got Paid. And with that, Teddy created a whole entire sub-genre, which is something that barely anybody can say. I feel like... Even since then, we've had subgenres that we kind of classify. We might say G-funk, but I can't say Drake created G-funk. I can't say that Lil John or even you could say Three Six, the you know prototype artist, you know artist for crunk and R-trap. But e- either way, you wouldn't really say that they created that, like in the in the sense that uh, Teddy Riley did. So Teddy created a whole subgenre where he merged that hip hop that he grew up on initially with that r and that he did, you know, r and funk, and soul that he also grew up on. And with that, that had such a huge impact. And he made so much classic music with that. I mean, the fact that Michael Jackson, what most of us would agree, it was his last great album was Dangerous, and that came straight from Teddy Riley, giving him Remember the Time, which was one of his last, like, great classic tracks, along with even the album cuts banging, like, Can't Let Her Get Away, then the singles, like, jammed. So, Teddy gave us all that. But then, that's just New Jack Swing stuff. He was also amazing at doing those slow jams, and I feel like his slow jams were more musical than Babyface's. I feel like when you hear the Let's Chill, Peace of My Love, when you hear the Goodbye Love, when you hear those types of tracks, just the way he, the textures he had in there, the church influence, I feel like actually hit a little bit harder. I feel like Babyface was good at writing the songs, so when you hear like the Tevin Campbell songs, you sing along to it, you love how he builds up, but musically, those songs were not the greatest to me. I feel like with Teddy, he, he he gave you something like with Keith Sweat, that um, How Deep Is Your Love? To me, that's the most influential R&B production from the late 80s all the way up until I would say, one in a million. And that came from Timbaland. Guess what? He mentored Timbaland and Pharrell. So with that, the fact that Timbaland and Pharrell, who are probably two of the top three or four producers in the last I'm going to say 25, 30 years, they're mentored by Teddy. So it's like the fact that he has them underneath him, he put them together, you know, I can't say he put them together, they're cousins, but he, he took, you know, what they had and elevated that. So he had Pharrell, of course, on the SWV Right There Remix. And speaking of that, he evolved from New Jack Swing so quickly going to, to the right there, I mean, right here, SWV, along with Rump Shaker. So no, I pass it yeah, no, you. Yeah, no, you make excellent points. Um, I, I do think Teddy
1: is an amazing entertainer, producer, Um And you mentioned, you know, the slow jams, his slow jams are top tier. And I do think there's a difference between ballads and slow jams. Like every slow jam is a ballad in some way, but every ballad ain't a slow jam. And I think Babyface has made ballads and also slow jams and not just for himself, but for other people. Like we don't get Usher without Babyface. We don't get the Johnny Gill or the Bobby Brown. Like, we don't get certain sounds without Babyface. I think he was um, extremely, like, important to the growth and development of, I would say, 80 to 90% of the teen artists who were coming out in the 90s. Working with Babyface was a rite of passage. Like, the ushers, the brandies, you know, working with Babyface has got you to the next level. TLC, again, you know who started so young, and Babyface was so well versed in different sounds. Like he came from that Minneapolis sound, and then he was also able to adapt a New Jack swingish sound, and then move through that and go straight to the '90s R&B when we get the slow jams from the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. And then fast forward that to the 2000s, and he's working with people like Little Wayne. I think he's a chameleon in that. You know, his style will always adapt, and it'll you you'll always know that he is Babyface. Like he adapts to the time that we are in. Like, even if there's a lane that Teddy Riley created, there's not much that Babyface can't do in that same lane. That's just one of the facts that I hear. That's what my ears say. Like, uh. Babyface is that dude. And, and I mean, come on, he's a 50, 60-year-old man calling himself Babyface. Like, <laughs> you you know how secure you gotta be with yourself to go around and still have that's other people adorable. call that's you Babyface. Like his talent is like, <laughs> but that's just how immense his talent is. That Bootsy Collins will want to name him Babyface, and that he can take that blessing and go on and work with all these giants. I
0: mean, that's adorable. It's <laughs> adorable. Still, I mean, he he is the like the cool, smooth uncle. But but with that, so as far as Babyface being able to do it. What Teddy uh has done, definitely came real with that. And I feel like one thing I will say, honestly, I I feel like Babyface's production style got kind of bland mid-90s. Like, if, if you want to be real, like, even though there were hits, he made hits, but as we say, hits aren't always gems. My boy, uh, Johansson, always says that. So even I'll make love to you, I don't really have to hear that. And like a lot of stuff that he did, it's like, yeah, he, he gave us some bangers, but some of his stuff was just real bland. And I feel like Teddy had more evolved songs. So if you compare... Even, I'll even say this. So a song like, um, like, um not going to cry for Mary perfectly written song, but that production is, it's a good stage. So she stands out. I get that. But production wise, the, the, the music doesn't really evolve that much. The bridge, you know, it's not really hitting. Basically, if you heard that song without her singing, the instrumental wouldn't grab you. With Teddy, his instrumentals always grab you. Think about don't leave the way he flipped that, uh, the barge, the way that song breaks down, it builds up. Think about black street. Um, you know, um, was it? Um, uh, before I Let You Go. Yeah, before I let you go. The way it builds up, the way they sing it, the hits that come in on there, Dunk Will May Sweet. Like that part alone, the way it resolves in the very end of the song, the way it's harmonizing. Like I feel like Teddy just has a, a, a bit more of a church influence, a bit more of a musical ear in that way. So even when it's slow jams, I feel like he has more musical slow jams than Babyface. But when it comes to fast tracks, after, like, the late 80s and a little bit of the early 90s, Babyface couldn't make no fast party jams. After New Jack Swing, Teddy was still making party jams. He made no Diggity. He made uh, Queen Pin, um, of course, the the, um, the legendary tracks that we still play from her, The Party and the Party. Like, he made those, and he was rocking all these, these hip-hop songs. He even got with Snoop in the late 2000s, so he was still making tracks up to that point. And I feel like, like Teddy was just always more diverse when it came to production, of course, he made some stuff for Bobby too, and and is is this a, a difference? I, I think that. Back to you. Yeah, no, I,
1: I think Teddy's great. Um, just some of the songs like Babyface. Some of the songs, you know, After Sevens, Ready or Not, which then in turn, Jasmine Sullivan is using sampling. You know, later, like twenty years down the line, then you got like the Brandy songs, like Tony Braxton, Aretha Franklin. You got. Jade, you got Tamia, like he's he's writing these songs that really speak to the whole era of the nineties, like Drew Hills coming out, the Casey and Jojo's, the escapes, like what Babyface is doing for those people, he's kind of shaping the soundscape of the nineties. Um, maybe not in the same way that Teddy Riley is, where he's making these dance classics or you know, these club bangers, but what he's doing is lasting because there's not one song like Put on Bobby Brown's Roni today and people still go crazy. Like you put on Randy sitting up in my room and every teenage girl in the world will, you know, go revert back to that time when they were sitting in their room.
0: I, I get that. I hear it. But I feel like I just feel like Teddy has that edge. I mean, he gave us so many bangers from the from the uh, piece of my Loves to the I like to the I like the way so that's guy in high five to the end of the decade of the 90s he had to take take you there or take me there with the Blackstreet Maya and then as far as just the overall influence I think this the the influence that he he made from that production on that first first Keith Sweat album like the entire 90s like a lot of artists and producers used that sound of course the head dude who we hate mentioning got his whole production sound and style from Teddy, I mean, we know that for sure. Public announcement was nothing but what Guy had already done. And then even songs like, if you hear like a Gerald Levert producing Subway, this little game we play, that came from that Teddy style. Just that heavy bass line going along with the slow jam feel. Like I think that Teddy was legendary in that way. And so many producers tried to emulate Nuzak Swing, and most of them could not do it. And then even beyond that, I feel like Teddy kept rolling. He had three successful groups. I'll say two successful and one who who had hits, of course, with Guy and Blackstreet, but... Either way, I said team dum dum diddy. So we gonna, <laughs> dumb, dumb, ditty. we gonna pass it to uh to our producers, Melissa and the lady. Of course, we know that uh the lady is seeing artists who were produced by both in concert, probably when it first came out. She told me she was at Johnny Kemp's concert, like when he first came out. <laughs> so let us know about how that experience was for you.
5: Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> comes in
2: with so much hate.
4: Aggressive.
2: Cuz cuz just just rude. <laughs> um yeah, this one I don't know. It was a little trying hard to not bring personal bias into this decision was harder. Um I felt like there were a lot of great arguments for Teddy Riley. Um I mean, you started off with dum dum diddy, so that was, you know, you were you committed to this. You were passionate about this. But, um, I feel like you did a great job. Um I yeah, I think I think I'm gonna have to vote. Uh, I don't know. I kinda wanna give it a tie, but I feel like I need to make a decision. Um I'm gonna go with Teddy for this argument. Just based on the other people that were influenced that he was able to, like, shape their sound and, and their impact from groups to producing and singing and all of the above. But personally, I still love Babyface. <laughs> but I voted it. I'm sure. Teddy.
0: I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. So, all right. Well, Melissa, who would you roll with?
5: I mean, like, if. Babyface came to me and said, "I would like to impregnate you." Then I would take him up on that offer. I love Ooh, this man. Okay. i okay. loved him <laughs> so long. <Ooh>. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so uh, I had a little bias coming into this. Um, wow. Whoop a pill just does something to me. Um, he also oh. um, produced what I think is the greatest soundtrack ever. But you didn't bring it up. So. Right.
4: Waiting to excel?
5: I mean, he I said it
2: ended up in my room. I did
5: know. I, said, I, I, up I my brought my up room. the soundtrack. I brought up the soundtrack. Okay. A he times. missed this. Did you? Yeah. yeah. that's her songs, but I didn't hear this soundtrack. I said wait until excel. Okay. Maybe. It didn't really land. I missed it I said it. I like really <laughs> okay. promise I said okay. it. Okay. 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 <laughs> but um, yeah, just based on these the the arguments and what was. What I heard, um, I gotta go with Teddy on this one,
1: man.
0: Dum <laughs> dum <laughs> ain't that about a? All right, all right. So I mean, I mean, yeah, it's like I would say in verses itself, Babyface won that battle. Just just from the song selections, just from personalities, yes. just from both of them. Even the second one that was redone, it was just like even even the shade. Babyface had the shade when. Teddy played the I Get Lonely, and and he was like, wasn't that jamming, uh, Terry? Like, and he's like, oh, that's a remix? I don't do remixes. So I'm like, all right, face. I mean, he don't. I hear you. Face. Okay. He's lying, though. He, <laughs> he did remake uh, For the Lover in You. Does that count uh, as a that's remix? That's
1: a remake. Or I mean, he did at a rapper. I don't all know. Right. Can, I don't know. It, it's not It's not yeah. the same.
0: Okay. It okay. don't
2: matter. He killed it.
0: Is that cute? He did. I mean, he pulled the little guitar out. Yeah, he did his thing. The little so. guitar out. Yep. Yeah. So to so everybody who's listening, I appreciate y'all for listening. But y'all let us know, who do y'all think uh, actually wins outside of the actual versus itself? Who would you actually pick between the two? Let us know. Do hashtag behind the wheels pod. And also, if you have any questions or suggestions or anything for any segment, please send us an email at BehindTheWheelsPod at gmail.com. Also, please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us on there. We also have a, a playlist on Spotify for you, so everything that we've been mentioning—from Kevon Carter to the Emotions to some to some Teddy to some Babyface—you know it's going to be on that playlist. So put that on for a road trip or wherever you headed at work. You know we got you. So this is episode six, season two, behind the wheels. We appreciate y'all for listening. Always. Once again, you can follow. You can follow me. Find me at DJRTISTIC Twitter. Instagram, EB, where can they find you? I'm
1: um, EB4Prez everywhere. There's EB, the number four, and Prez is spelled P-R-E-Z as in zebra. So eb for
0: prez all across the internet. That's what it is. Okay, well, we'll see y'all and uh, y'all hear from us very soon. Appreciate y'all for being tuned in. Artistic out. EB out. Behind the Wheels is produced by Melissa D. Montz and the Lady Sec, and the music is provided by Epidemic Sound.